Welcome back to another look into the state of the league. I'm here joined with 4020 and Birdie. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, I'm your host, Hamish, and we'll soon be joined by Ricky. Um, but before then, we'll just soldier on. So first, get straight into the news. So the um, it looks like we're a bit closer to getting the um, the the players uh, CBA deal agreement finally formalised. Um, so uh, in the Herald it has them ready to agree to um, uh, a, a new salary cap starting off in the nine million dollar range and then increasing through to twenty twenty two. Um, we're still waiting on the RLPA and the clubs to agree, but it looks like they're a couple of days away. So hopefully we get to the end of all this mess. Um, boys, what are your thoughts on the final CBA? Is this the one that um, Todd Greenberg put a, a deadline on on Wednesday? That's right. So there was a deadline um, which had uh, an incentive for the RLPA to agree to. Um, because they didn't agree to it before the deadline, the players lose... Uh, I think it's $300,000 per team over the final two years of the deal. Um, but the new deal is that $300,000 per team is now going to be put into a fund um, for injured players. And the RLPA is going to bring 29% of the revenue instead of 29.5%. And it's just nice to get it done, isn't it? After all the drama and everything dragged out. 40, you know, it was... Taking its time, I've, I just wanted to be agreed, you know, get over and done with so we can, like, uh, look, the cricketers, they took their time, and towards, there was one stage where the public were losing faith in the cricketers because, um, and they were taking the side with Cricket Australia, so I'm just glad that it's pretty much over. We can put it to the side and focus on other things, you know, crowd attendances and everything else. Well, I think the final um, split, which shows that everybody seems to be getting on the, ad, uh, the same page, is that... There's going to be a four-way split of the net profit from future revenue, which will be paid equally to the RLPA, to the clubs, to the NRL, and to grassroots league. So uh, apparently in the end, it's going to be a 25% split each way between those four entities. Um, so at least we're, we're getting to a conclusion, and um, we can have a set cap for next year. Um, now, back on to some Parramatta Eels news. Scott Seward is back in the news. Um, the court has appealed uh, the the Section 10 that he received earlier in the year. Um, the DPP didn't think that was uh, quite enough, and he was the one pulling the strings. So any thoughts on Seward? Or are we all past it? We've had enough of him. Yeah, I think I think I'm at the stage where I, I don't really care. You know, he, he was part... I just want him to get, you know, to get busted because it seems like he got away with, you know, with it and... Like, I'm, I'm anti-Todd Greenberg, and he's a mate of Todd Greenberg. Therefore, I don't like him, you know. It just He just looked dodgy from the get-go, you know. He worked in membership for the Bulldogs, and all of a sudden he's our, what, CEO? Like, it just seemed, seemed like, oh, look, I don't like him because he looked he looked dodgy from the get-go. Like, and just how he got the the CEO position at our club, and just, just by the look of it, he looked dodgy. Just, he just looked like a dodgy character. And yeah, with, with the... With the- with the benefit of hindsight, that'd be a pretty astute observation. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, para fans in general are happy that the issues of sort of, you know, that, that era from dating back to Spaniolo and then into the the more recent board of 3P 
uh, it's all done. But um, yeah, I, I can't see us wanting to drag up old wounds too much here. Yeah, exactly. Just move on, you know. Like, like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care what happens to him, to be honest. But like, even though I said I wanted to get busted, but if, if it came out he got a fine, I'd be like, all right, that's in the past. Forget yeah. about him, you know. Yeah. But... I mean, especially at the club, it seems to be quite successful on and off the field now. Oh, or yeah. at least off the field, we're successful in the sense that we're not in the headlines in a negative sense now. We still have plenty of work to do. Yeah, well, we're stable now, pretty much, you know. That's exactly right, buddy. Yeah. Stable for us is successful. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. And into the biggest news of today, at least. Jared Hayne back to the Eels. What do you think, boys? Well, it's been a fun, a fun sort of willy whiny sort of going with all the on and off stuff that we've had across the entire course of the day. Uh, Hayne denying things, the media going after him, Meninga going after him. It was um pretty pretty entertaining for us. Rogers was in there. Yeah, I saw I saw it in another com. Matt Rogers saying that the Titans can't allow Jared to leave. So. Been a awesome for the news cycle, I'd say. They always love it when Jared um, pops into the headlines. But um, I don't know. I, this, this is a very interesting topic for Paramount fans, isn't it? Because we're talking about old wounds. Um, these are pretty fresh in, as um, as far as it goes back to 2016. But um, I mean, I, me personally, I, I'm probably open to the idea of Jared coming home on the proviso that it's at the right value. And in right, right value position. in right position, yeah. Oh, yeah. You already said it for me, 40. <laughs> See, what I find interesting is they've said that we are the front runners just because we have money available and he wants to come home. That doesn't mean that, like, like, it just... I think, I think it's even more than that. Was it Josh Masood on Twitter that said that Parramatta at winks like odds? Oh. I'm not sure. It was one journal I saw on Twitter that said it. They, they, they're putting us as unbackable favourites to, to snare him. But it's not like if we've got a position for him available, you know. So, like, it just seems like media are just trying to print something and they know if, he, if Parramatta in the headlines is going to sell. That's what I reckon, you know. Well, a friend of the pod um, has been saying that uh, Hayne and Eels coaching staff have been in contact for a couple of months. So, um, and, and the person I'm talking about is usually pretty close to the mark. So... Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Nothing is set in stone, but um, I guess we'll soon find out in the next couple of weeks to months leading into next season. I mean, and um, there are there are opportunities in our back line up there, Hamish. And obviously, fullbacks are highly contested spot at the Eels at the moment with um, Quint Gufferson and Bevan French both capable of being stars in that position. But you've left, we've lost semi to French rugby, and you know we've that means that means immediately there's a wing spot open. But Gufferson also is probably under doubt to. Rum be racing the clock for round one given his ACL injury. So I don't know. There, there's an opportunity there. So it'll be an interesting story to follow in the coming days. It, it all depends on whether Haynes obviously got that game breaking ability, but whether or not he can find it again, and whether Parramatta's the place for him to find it again, um, I don't know. So um, trust in BA, and uh, we'll uh, see what happens. All right, on to the other bit of news. Uh, the salary sombrero over at the Roosters and Cronk's deal with the Roosters has finally been um, signed off by the Roosters and it's all official now. What happens there? Does somebody have to make way or are they fitting him in somehow? Would you be shocked if no one made way? Would you honestly be shocked? Uh, I'd be shocked that that they could fit him. I just I don't see a way that they fit him in under the salary cap, even see, if it's I, going to nine point, whatever it is, and they've got a thirty man squad. Mm. I'd find it, uh, you know, very surprising. I, I think that's the reasonable stance, but at this point in time, I think reasons being thrown out the window. So I would be shocked, 
but I, I am expecting. Um, with that said, someone has to get, make make way. But, well, I think Pierce's position is untenable. Well, that, that's probably that's probably fair. Yeah, we're expecting a big name to come, and you know it will be it'll be Daniel Tupo. You know he'll be he'll be the big name. Well, he just he, he just, just signed this year. Yeah, Did he? Oh. yeah. He inked his um. Was it a three or four year extension? Or was it a pretty um? I think it was a three year extension. Yeah. Um, but anyway, those dominoes will fall. I expect somebody's going to have to leave. The, the money man seems to be like Pierce, um, leaving to. Uh, possibly to uh, Newcastle. Um, there's also rumours of a deal, uh, player swap for Sharks and Panthers, getting rid of Moylan and uh, trading mm. for Maloney. Um, but like all cool these off that, that, That's after the feel good promising us that Moylan's not going anywhere. Really? He would never do uh, it. <laughs> Uh, Gould says a lot of things in the media. He's very good at at, at uh, putting off. No, it just it just reminds me of the Ivan Cleary situation where um, Ivan was going nowhere, and three weeks later or something, he was out of the club. And... That's that's generally it. So, but yeah. all those things will play out. Um, there's not much to do uh, or speculate on until it all plays out. Yeah, that's true. Um, everybody thinks their their source is you know the best, but usually half of it's who, rubbish. Who wins more in the proposed Moylan uh, Maloney trade? Uh, I think the I think, I think the Panthers. Panthers, yeah. I agree. Yep, I think that's that's correct. Yeah, you've got a young yeah, half in Nathan Cleary, a bit of experience from uh, from Maloney, who's he's won two premierships. So, so what can you say? Yeah, I, I think Moylan um, Maloney's the ideal foil too for someone like uh, young Nathan Cleary. Lets him sort of take the reins, but then when he needs to have an outlet, Maloney's very good at being there to take the kick, to take the run, and um. Yeah, I think so. Whereas Moylan at Cronulla would just be, I mean, that combination with Chad Townsend is kind of odd when you look at it on paper. And obviously paper paper teams aren't everything, but it doesn't feel like you have a queer halfback uh, or 5'8 in that structure. No. Well, it'd be funny just on the, if Moylan joins Penrith, I mean, is he on the same side as Bryce Cartwright if he plays back row? I think well, Bryce Cartwright's going to be running off the bench again. Yeah, um, being you know, he's sort of fallen out of favour. He, he yeah, plays. True, he but... plays down the right, doesn't he, Bryce? Or am I misremembering? He does. He plays right edge. Oh, okay, so yeah, I was going to say, Maloney and Cartwright side by side in defence. Yeah. That's a scary proposition. <laughs> yes, and, yeah, and Walker probably. Blake as well. If you put that in together, <laughs> I'm not sure what side Walker plays on, but that'd be scary. <laughs> scary for Panthers fans. <laughs> All right, let's move right along. So round one of the Rugby League World Cup is in the books. So we'll do a quick review of each match. First, starting up on Friday night, was Australia versus England. The final score in that game was 18-4. to Um, What are your takeaways, boys? The score doesn't do England justice, I think. I mean, the Kangaroos struggled for a lot of that game to try and break down England's defence. And really, when you think about it, the last try was that pass that went astray with England trying to score some points. Dugan, Dugan runs the big kick return, yeah. score, goes in, makes it 18-4. 18, 18 to 4, and The kangaroo side is missing Jonathan Thurston. They can try and sugarcoat it all they want, but the influence that he provides to that side, just in terms of composure and just the general attack, They've missed him big time. And you can tell from one game that that's the case. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair. I, I was never a fan of the, the extended squad that was picked for the Kangaroos. I think there were a few, you know, sort of eye-raising picks and sort of incumbency reigned over form. They got past England, which I expected to do. And, you know, it was a scrappy effort. But they'll they'll be pushing deep into the finals, as we expect. Um, obviously, the injury to Jake Dubovic was no good. 
he did the pictorial in that game, so he's out for a while. Sam Burgess has done his knee as well. So. That's right. Sam Burgess in the same game did his knee early on, did, or relatively early on. Yeah, I mean, they got past England, and England showed some flashes of, of competitiveness and gutsiness, but, you know, will that be enough? They, they don't seem to have any game breakers, at least against a, a subpar Australia side, to really push them when the um the going got tough. Well, I think I think some uh, one bloke for England that I thought stood up was, I mean his his utility back. He was playing fullback was Lewis Tierney. Was sort of you know, he, he was probably the one the one guy in attack that looked like he was going to try and or at least at least succeed to you know break down the Australian line. But you know I mean to be fair, Australia's defence was equally strong, even if yeah, even if, you know even if England's attack was a bit, you know, stunted at times and everything. But, you know, I think it, it, it wouldn't be a far cry to say that England can make the top the top four as well. Oh, yeah, I think that, that's expected. So, you know, it would be interesting to see, I suppose, with the, the Tongan wild card in the World Cup, it, it all comes down to where you fall getting out of group stage in the, um, into the elimination stage. But England would be an expected top four team. And, you know, look, looking at how resolute they were in defence, They'll, they'll go you know pretty deep into the World Cup. Uh, just looking back at my notes, I had Hodgson was over-calling in the opposition 20. I, th- I think he did a little bit of what he did at the Raiders this year mm-hmm. in that he over-called his halves and, and tried to put the team on his back, and sometimes they can have pretty uh, poor results. Um, uh, no lack of effort. And also Jimmy Graham's uh, ch- chase of um, Josh Dugan. Uh, he looks to be back to his best after that neck injury he suffered this year. Um, and he, I thought he had a fantastic game, and he's going to be a great uh, acquisition for an already I mean, very good Dragons pack. He, he's getting on an age, but you really get a bad game. He, he's just so reliable. All right, on to the second game, Wales v oh. PNG. Now, this was a complete blowout. Um, PNG running away 50-6. to six. What were your takes? Oh, look, PNG were too good. I mean, the humidity didn't help. I mean, if it's true what John Keir, the, the Welsh coach, was saying, that the, that the Welsh were not afforded drink breaks every 20 minutes like the the second game in Townsville was, the other game in Townsville was, then, you know, that, that that's ridiculous. Like, I mean... Yeah, that, that, you know, that's you know, poor, poor game management, isn't it, from uh, administration? Oh, it is. I mean, like, you, you've got to consider this, this is a Welsh team that are coming from conditions that are literally on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, that warm for them is like, you know, 15, 20 degrees, and they're playing in you know, 35 degree temperatures with 80, 90 percent humidity. I mean, it, it's it's really no surprise that they got flogged 50 to six. And you watch that game in the second, it, even start of the second half, like some of their players are already struggling because they're just not used to conditions like that. And you know, as I said, to to not be afforded drinks breaks after after every 20 minutes, like the other like the two teams in the other towns on match were, it's just it, it it's just not a good look at all for not. You know, for the Rugby League World Cup, for the game in general, you know, it's just, it's poor form. I mean, I don't think it was surprising that Papua New Guinea got away to a, what would have been a sold win otherwise. They came into the tournament with a very strong domestic result in the uh, Queensland Cup or Intra Super Cup as it is these days. Plus, they added a number of NRL players to the roster. But uh, yeah, it is disappointing that the game was mishandled that way off the field. Um, but I think Papua New Guinea looked, you know, pretty good, and we all we think back in um when we were doing our projections earlier, we all tip him to go pretty well this tournament, especially given where they were in the pool. So it'll be it'll be nice to see him progress further into the tournament, and they obviously got off to a great start. 
going forward, I don't think they'll have any issues getting outside of their own uh, half. Um, their outside backs were uh, playing like prop forwards. It was a bit scary if you were on the receiving end of that. Um, also, Sigiaro, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, most of their points or their breaks coming up through the ruck seem to come off the back of him. Um, so Sharks might be looking at getting a bit better if they get some more play like that out of Sigiaro next year. Um, and the last thing is the biting incident. Don't bit me. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say this. That really hurt, Johnny, still... But I haven't seen um, what, what the outcome of that's going to be, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see leading up to the next game. All right, straight on to Kiwis versus Samoa. Another bit of a blowout. I, I was a bit shocked by the, um, the final score, but maybe we shouldn't have been. It was 38 to the Kiwis to 8 Samoa. They just, they just ran out of gas, didn't they, the Samoans? They just fell off a cliff in that game. Their, their, their fitness completely unraveled and New Zealand just put the foot to the throat and just took it away from them. Oh, look, I mean, Kiwis probably started out, I guess, maybe poorly or for lack, yeah, for lack of a better word, poorly. But they sort of second half, they found their groove and, you know, they, they just, yeah, they just ran away with it and there was just nothing Samoa could do about it. They just, they just looked cumbersome, like just, you know, loafing around and missing easy tackles and, just not the, the Kiwis went really offload, offload heavy this game. They threw a lot of offloads and uh, you know it backfired to an extent initially, as far as just turnovers. And Samoa couldn't capitalize too much on it scoreboard wise, but they hurt themselves possession and territory wise. But they, they took it away from them in the second half when they they managed to start executing. I think field position was big in this because Ben Roberts um, seemed to be pretty much the sole kicker. I think uh, um, Joseph Paulo tried to put in something which uh, <laughs> didn't come off very well. Um, so they were back; they were on the back foot for the whole game. And uh, I think we discussed last week uh, the spine's going to be playing a big part in some of these, you know, lesser favoured teams. And obviously, uh, Samoa's spine uh, was was well off the pace in against the Kiwis. I thought Frankie Pritchard had a had a decent effort in that game as well. He looked like he was fresh. Oh, yeah, a couple of line breaks. He was their best player, hundred yeah. percent, on that uh, yeah. that right edge easily. And he had he some was... yeah, real impact. And, yeah. and it's not it's not a, a sloppy forward back or anything. You know, Junior we mentioned before Junior Paulo, Josh Papali, Lisa Almaz in our player, Sam Lawson is in our player. So he was in good company. He was running the back the the back fence as well. Yeah, they're all so pretty quiet. Good. The Samoan forwards, which surprised me, given. Given the NRL experience that they've got, they sort of just never really got into the contests. And... Yeah, um, they they just, I mean, it's hard to put a finger on what went wrong for Samoa. Besides, the, I mean, for me, the fitness where they just got yeah, outgunned. Yeah. But um, I, I was encouraged by Frank Pritchard, and we saw the article on Fox Sports was it yesterday saying that after the clean out of Wentworthville, Parramatta looking to potential for Frank Pritchard a one year deal based on um, yeah. how he comes out of the World Cup. So it was obviously a good start for him in that regard. Or mind getting the big man back for one more year. It's good for team morale and for team building. Yeah. Um, now, there were a couple of other takeaways from this game. Brad Takarangi, debut game, debut try. Um, you know, it was a bit of a steal, but, you know, yeah. you, you'll take, take it. He's going to get an easier one in his life. Oh, my uh, goodness, that was bad. Danny Levi in the second half, I thought he was absolutely everywhere. He was just opening up holes completely through the Samoan middle. 
Um, and also the last two things were the, the streakers. Um, the, the ground staff are going to have to sort that out because we've got Samoa versus Tonga this, yeah. this weekend. And there's also there's 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 been plenty of supporting groups. Yeah. That's right. There's a couple of stories coming out about clashes. So um, they'll, they'll want to make sure they've got some extra security down there. And last is the Beal. Um, I, I can't remember. What it, they've said ankle. Um, no, break, fractured, or they fractured. also had tibia and fibula. So yeah, fractured, yeah that was that was fibula, fibula. that was crazy because he, if I recall correctly, he broke his bone. Like, there was non-contact, wasn't it? Apparently, it came from. I was. Uh, it came from about two or three tackles beforehand. Ah, he caught, he yeah, caught the light knock, and then, and then it was only like yeah, two or three tackles later, he fell without contact. Yeah, so he so he played on, I guess, without the contact, mm. and then. It sort of just caught up to him, and he just yeah. he just fell. Out that's of, right, know. okay. Because when I saw him go down, and they were, and they were saying broken bones, I was like, that that's almost impossible. Non-contact always points to ligament or um, any sort of uh, muscular ligament damage, and you don't you don't ever see broken bones for that. So obviously the damage done earlier, and that's why he just sort of soldiered it out for a couple of tackles, but ended up succumbing to it when he pushed through the line. Um, on to the next game, Fiji versus USA. Uh, so. T- to uh, finish off the Saturday uh, blowout scores, uh, Fiji ran up 58 to 12 victors over the USA. There's there's two headlines coming to us for Parramatta fans on our sport perspective. The first is the the unfortunate tragic injury to Kane Evans, who did a fair job dismantling his wrist, so they got all floppy. Um, and the second one is Jared Haynes' great form, who looked he looked quite good in that game. And oh, it's been a long time. Oh, it's been a long time, man. A long time. But um, he looked quite sharp in this game, working in the halves, and he got the um, the Fijians, you know, moving forwards and getting them out wide when they needed. And <clears throat> he ended up. Which, which record did he equal with um, Bob Fulton? Most tries scored in the Rugby League World Cup. There you go. So that's a. Oh. Pretty, he's probably going to score at least one more. You'd think the way the pools played out. So he's going to own a nice little piece of rugby league history soon. Now I, I will say this about Hayne. I mean, I, I've. I mean, you guys all know I, I've got like reservations, if that's if that's the best word to use, about you know him coming back to some extent. But it was encouraging to see that he didn't, he never tried to overplay his hands. In that's I guess the thing with Jared knows in that sort of position, isn't it? You're yeah, well, that's going to go for the flashy big play every yeah, set. Exactly, and I mean, we saw that you know countless times over the you know, especially the '09 to '014. He'd always try and. Just do it, do it himself, or go it alone. But it was probably the first game from him, at least, at least playing at five, playing in the halves of five eight, that I haven't seen him try to dominate everything. He sort of, you know, he let he let Coruscant do his thing, the hooker, and then he let, you know, just just the other players do their do their thing. And when he felt like he could chime in, then he came in. So I mean, if 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 that's the sort of maturity that we can expect from him now, having had you know, time away from 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 the club basically, then I guess it's probably it may not be a bad thing that he comes back, but I guess it remains to be seen if that was just a one off and it was just that game planning and structure, or if it you know continues in the next or well, throughout the tournament basically. So well, World Cup seem to be the tonic for Jerry, don't they? Oh, um, <laughs> can say that he again. Always, he always he always comes out of him. Looking like a million bucks and goes into his following NRL season as the um, best player in the tournament or the competition, rather. Fifty-five missed tackles by the Yanks. So who's a defensive coach, man? That's 
Ridiculous. From what they were saying, so it's 13 amateur players for USA in their homegrown yeah. comp. So they're, re- yeah. they're really relying on they were, um, they were loving on homegrown talent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is to be commended, but um, I, I guess the result. Yeah. Uh, and that Fijian back line, uh, Naguama, or is it Nangama is how they were pronouncing it, Vunivalu, oh, Tane Milne, Uate, and Montoya, uh, they were fantastic in this game. Um, but the problem with Fiji moving forward is to be in their prop rotation, of course, losing um, uh, Kane Evans. Losing big man, Kane Evans, yeah. I will say this, though. You are so, uh, in the centres. He, he, he looked good in the centres. Yeah, he was tearing up. But then again, it's only against the United States, so... Oh, you know, it is. But I guess, you know, it's sort of... There's good I and mean, there's, like, tearing it up. Like he, he's, he's, a, he's a reborn player in that sense after a couple of really down years at Castle. He rediscovered the spark this year at Manly oh, yeah. when he um, jumped jumped across the in that play sort oh. between Jamie Bure and, and himself, um, and he just yeah he's just playing great football at the moment. Whether it's wing or centre, he, he's impacting the games. And yeah, the USA are a bit of a, a marshmallow game, a little bit of a beat up game, but he'll he'll do good things I think in um bigger he's stages. He's happier to be honest. Yeah. Like, he's smiling more. Like you know, the beach has probably done the world for him. You know, like. All I can say is for Fiji. He needs to take some Charles. Speak to Mary. Anyway, really? I can't say <laughs> Straight on to Ireland and Italy. So Ireland, the this was Ugh. probably the most surprising the result game. of the weekend. The upset game of the um, weekend for sure. Ireland thirty six over Italy twelve. Uh, they just ran rough shot over that Italian team. I, I think we all tipped Italy, didn't we? In, yeah, um, I think we all tipped them. The, the, the group. Yeah, they they just I don't know they didn't look interested at all. I saw some stuff from Teddy that was embarrassing. Some of his goal line defense, he just let the guy score. He was not you know not putting in. Um, I think Jack Johns, he was well out of his element. Yeah, he uh, it, looked well underdone, and then, and then of course broke that that arm of his. In a very um, inauspicious start for the young man. But you're I, right. I, 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 I mean, I, as bad as Italy were, I mean, I they were just they were handled by Ireland, like you know the wolfhounds as they call them. They they just didn't they just didn't let Italy do anything whether it was you know yeah, stifling their stifling their attack or or you know just basically running right they and, they, um, they played a really tough game the, um, yeah, the they Irish. did they did and I mean and that, um, that Louis McCarthy Scarsbrook had a ripper of a game actually he was he was well, on fire I got, I got a good, good good stat attack for you most meters made by starting by starting forward in in rugby league world cup history playing in, in the back row yeah. There you go. NRL.com's gotten down for 11 runs, 106 metres, which is actually oh, obscene. That, that's actually, like, when you look at the metres per run, that is just crazy. Yeah, oh, no, he made, I think in the end he made about, no, wait, because he scored that try at the end. Yeah, he went, he went, he made like 206 metres or something from, was about 15, 16 runs or so, which is crazy. just remarkable. I mean, um, the very, very pucky team, the Irish. And that, um, you know, that, that gets them a long way towards, Getting into the next round, um, obviously the upcoming game pending, but uh, that that was a huge upset, and they they just wandered way more than Italy. Way well, more. you were talking before about um, you know the Welsh not thriving in the heat, but you know Ireland isn't isn't that too far from yeah. Wales, and, and I'll tell exactly. you what, <laughs> they thrive. They, yeah, yeah, it, it's just. The difference of attitude in a game, isn't it? I mean, and, and yeah, they had the benefit of the, the drinks breaks at tw- um, the 20 and 60 minute intervals along with the half time break. But the, the Irish came fired up and they played tough footy, rolled the sleeves up. 
And when you're when you're having two minnows play like that, even though the um, Italians had the benefit of you know a number of quality NRL players, it it can be huge. And they they just thrashed Italy. It wasn't even close. Uh, at no point was it close. Like they they blew them out from the start. And there was a couple of cheap tries that lead to not even add respectability to the scoreboard, but you know just get them on the board. It was a, just a great game for my mind. Really good. Looking into the Eels, boys, Nathan Brown, 100 metres, 32 tackles. Daniel Alvaro, 125 metres, 34 tackles. Um, they they seem to hold their own, but at the end of the day, NRL's a team sport and um, yeah. their team got oh. punished. Yeah, exactly. That's as simple as it is, isn't it? Italy now have their, their backs up against the wall as far as progressing. They need results and then results big time for themselves. That's right. They need uh, results to fall their way. Yeah. If they like that again, they're not going to do very much, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Now, talking about a team that is doing something, Lebanon against France. Lebanon running out 29-18 to 18 winners over the French. Um, that scores a little bit um, misleading, given that it was 18-all with about six six minutes to yeah. go. Well, Sorry. I guess major Ooh, talking Mitchell points. Moses. Mitchell Moses, chip and chase. Yeah. I mean, best, best Mitchell thing Moses field goal. Oh, yes, his field goal was good too, but, you know, that... That chip and chase, like, that was just... That was a little I, bit I of vintage watching... Jared Hayne, huh? Yeah, it was like 0-9 against the Tigers. Yeah, exactly what it was, yeah. Because I, I was watching that, and it's like, it, it didn't really look on, but he just did it anyway, and it like, somehow came off. I think that was the more remarkable part yeah. about it. Like, it sort of, he just he just got the ball and was like, okay, I'm going to try this, and it just it worked, and it <laughs> was just... That's you know, when um, players like Moses are their best, aren't they? They're just playing what's... You know, they oh, play to the structures, but when, when the game opens up a little bit, they play what's in front of them. Exactly. And, but um, I, I was really happy, if, funnily enough, how uh, Robbie Farrah played that game. He was happy yes. to just distribute the ball to Mitchell Moses and let him be the focal point of the attack and just help, you know, just organize the team. And that was really crucial to how Lebanon ended up winning. Um, but um, they squandered a couple of chances early on, the, um, the, uh, the Lebanese. Uh, they went down the left, and Moses probably could have scored himself, but um, he I passed think, uh, the Ab- the Yes. So he went, he went the unselfish route, which you can never really criticise. But um, Miski sort of couldn't reel the ball in the first time. By the time he got his hands on it, the um, cover defence got across and did enough to stop him from scoring. What was the other one? Oh, and then obviously there was that, I mean, controversial try awarded to Italy. Where I thought it was a no try, but Grant, um, evidently, yeah. evidently there wasn't enough camera angles to. I mean, the fact that it went up as a try was not a drama. That was the fair enough logical call for mine, but there obviously wasn't enough evidence from the sole camera angle they had they felt to overturn it. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm fine with that call, um, given it was yeah. a try. And that's, you know, it's the luck of the draw at the end of the day. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Like, um, like I said, that that was France, didn't. Yeah, but it was a fun game, actually. Probably probably the most entertaining game of the um, It didn't start off well. On um, one of them got concussed in the warm-up. So how you do that? Yeah, that was... Chris Saab got concussed in the warm-up, and then the, the young South's half, well, the young South's utility, I mean, the bloke is a half in the summit, ended up playing back row or something. <laughs> at, at Adam Duhihi, or I don't know how to say his last name, yeah. but, yeah, you know, he came on, scored that try on debut. And... Reading um reading the Reddit post-game for it was really fun because there was a couple of guys that got out to the game, and they <laughs> said the atmosphere where it was absolutely um terrific. You know, a lot, of, lot of drums. Telling. Yeah, exactly. A lot, of, a lot of drums, a lot of cheering, and uh, the... Seeing Mitchell Moses being embraced by the crowd after the game was pretty cool too. Um, I thought Tim Manor had a really great captain's knock. 17 runs, 167 metres, yeah. 33 tackles. He led from the front. Um, Ex-Eel Alex Twal, he had a, a bottler of a game as well. And um, under-20s fullback Anthony Layoun, uh, he had a fairly good game. Um, and, of course, scored a try. But, uh, you know, I think he showed that he's an under-20s fullback. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's 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 very fair. But yeah, I think the the stats of Manor are excellent. But he also really passed on the eye test there. He had a really good game, a lot of um impact to his runs, um defended really strong as well. I mean, defense has never been an issue for Tim. He's been one of the premier defenders for our team for a long time. But he um he really opened up his World Cup campaign with a great individual effort. Let's hope this is finally the year where he gets more credit than than scorn from some of the fans, eh? I, I, I think you'll be waiting a long time for that to happen. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pushing up a, a pretty steep hill there. Now, just a note, because um, that was a delayed game, um, you know, people, don't go out of your way to try to spoil the results. Um, there was a lot of people on Reddit, you know, just PM, PMing people the final score. Yeah, of, that was nasty, no, wasn't it? Don't yeah. be a dick. Um, people want to watch their footy. They don't want it spoiled. Um, so I guess you take your life in your own hands if you're going to go on the web to what whilst the game's still there. But you know, don't be a dick and go out of your way to be a dick. I mean, there's there's, there's a difference between being on social media and or and then having like deliberately going out and PMing someone the the spoilers of the game. That's um that's pretty pretty shitty thing to do. Now, just on that, I'm not going, buddy. I saw something midweek that. Uh, Peter Wins, the Lebanese jersey was selling. Yeah, how good is that? It's his, it's his best selling World Cup jersey, I think. That's crazy. But like, it was, but like it was. who goes out and buys an Aussie jersey? To be honest, you know, like just, they, they don't look nice, and rather have you know states, clubs, but not, not not nations. To be honest, unless you're a minor nation, then you can buy one. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the the, the minor countries they go out and buy them because I mean, how, how often are they going to get to see Lebanon play or? Or, you know, Tonga yeah. play and all that stuff. So it's it's if anything, it's just for the nostalgia. You just get it to say, you know yeah. what, I've got one, and that's that's you know, like that's that's my country. You know, like I, I've well, that's, I'm that's the next step, this. isn't it, for for the IRL and even the NRL because their responsibility is the major, co- like the major competition for rugby league, is to take these teams from a, a four year cycle where they get to play, you know, once every four years, and actually give them a chance to play proper internationals in the you know, in the window between World Cups. Well, see, I, think, I think feasibly, I mean, if they really thought about it, you could do it. Like if you have maybe, maybe I mean, not every year, but maybe every, so obviously there's the four-year cycle between World Cups, but every second year have like a, you know, like a Pacific Cup tournament or something. So you just get Samoa. with like the Four Nations or something like that. Yes, mm. exactly. So you get, well, get Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Cook Islands as well, because I mean, they've got, I mean, they're not in the World Cup, but they've got, it, there's quite a few players that can play for the Cook Islands. You know, throw, P, throw PNG in there as well. Just have, like, you know, these tournaments and then do the same for the European nations, you know, like Europe, like France, your France, your Lebanon, Scotland, Ireland. Like, just, you know, sort of so it's not every four, you know, once every four years where you see these teams play and, you know, I mean... It's, it's something like the Rugby Union where they've got the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, you know, round yeah. robins in the, yeah. the off years. That, that'd be good. Um, we'll see if the uh, the overarching um, Rugby League world body will um, get onto that. They've, they've already got their cells hands full trying to get recognition just as a sport. So. That's, that's true. They, they, <laughs> oh, they yeah. have issues in the Northern Hemisphere trying to get a, a foot in the door. It is. It's very rough for Rugby League. Yeah, All right. Sorry, it's... Let's move right along. Scotland v Tonga. Um, so, wow, wow, wow! Uh, Tonga, they were much hyped and they delivered in this game. Uh, Scotland, you know, what, what can you say? It was uh, a bit of a. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to get straight into the Eels players on this one. Michael Jennings, three tries, numerous line breaks, over 200 metres. Um, he is one of the best centres in the world. Oh, easy. Um, Manu Ma'u on 
from that edge, 15 runs, 135 metres, 20 tackles. He had impact, and in the um, the pre-warm-up uh, war dance, looked like he was about to murder somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And Penny Terrapo, he a try for himself, <laughs> 138 metres, nine That's runs, and he left a, a try on the enough. field. <laughs> Mick, Mick, Mick Jennings also left a try on the field for his team, too, with a late line break where he couldn't find his inside man. But, um, geez, the Eels continue to play really strongly in that he game. Looks, he looks quick, Junko. Like, he looks quicker. I don't know if it's just the boots. He just looked lightning quick, you know. It's not the, I mean, that, that's what happens when you play against a guy that can't mark you. Like, Junko was just toying, toying <laughs> with the opposition. A bath. Yeah, um, that was that was brutal. But, um, I like the, the Twitter, Twitter was all adrift with the whole, oh, Jennings and Tupelo back, and Russ's fans were, like, sort of, like, crying that, you know, they couldn't. They didn't have that combination. I was like, <laughs> no, it's ours now. You know, I mean, the the game was a complete blowout by the time the first half was done. It was thirty eight nil. Oh yeah, of course. And um, the the Tongans actually struggled to string together some consistency half. early in the second half, and then they finally clicked into gear and then put on those last couple of tries. But uh, it was a really ominous warning to the rest of the competition. Tonga are legit. Um, their halves didn't have to overplay their hands at the dominance of the forward pack. They just got the ball out to their back line, and the back line did all the work they needed to do. I think the funnest part coming into that game was that little article about um, how no one in the Tonga team dares to prank Manu Mo. Um, <laughs> do you blame them? <laughs> no, because no, apparently um, lots of um, stuff goes around dacking and whatnot and all the other stuff that happens in a footy camp, but no one dares mess with um, good old Manu. That's the end of week one wrap-up. Parramatta Eels, their pre-season starts next Tuesday. Can we expect anybody from Cumberland Throw to be down there, 40? Yeah, I think 60s will be out there to give us some, even though it's going to be relatively light on our information. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more training staff than players next week. Um, there'll be... Probably be a long Yeah, there'll be, there'll be the um, the 20s graduates, obviously not Anthony Layoon and whatnot, the guys that, or Celeste Fahinga taking part in the World Cup. But the guys that will be having a look in for the full-time training will be there. And outside, be, and outside of Gutho, sorry, Forty. Outside of Gutho, yes. do, we have a, do we have anyone that has un, 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 you know, gone under the knife unavailable. Or, or unavailable? To, it would like, only um, be Kate Evans, but his injury is eight to ten weeks, so we should yeah. expect him back in January pre-season. And, and it won't prevent him from doing all the um, cardio stuff. No, well, is that, that's the thing. Eh? It's, a, it's a wrist injury, so he can do the cardio, and legs, the leg so he work. Do, he can do his legs too. Yeah. Get, get those little um, spindly legs up to size. So Gutho um, is um, actually meant to be back doing sprint training. He'll actually be yes, running on the knee um, as of next week. Um, so he he's well, well on board um, to have a good return in 2018. Um, I think everybody needs to have a bit of reservation coming back from – this will be his second now. But any player coming back from those sorts of knee injuries, it's going to take them a couple of weeks, um, if not, you know, yeah, to, absolutely. to get oh, back to that pace. Um, so I wouldn't the, expect the most playing at the level. Thing, yeah, the most positive thing is that – as far as his recovery is concerned, it has gone as streamlined as it can go for a two-time ACL. But curbing your expectations is absolutely correct there, Hamish. It's not an easy road back to recovery for um for Guffo, but he's got the mindset and you know, the dedication to maximise his um recovery time. So he he will get back. Um, just got to be patient. Um, so let's get into the next round of the World Cup a preview. Um, so. Each team will be playing um, similar times. Um, I know France will be playing the Friday night, but most teams are getting a seven-day turnaround. Um, so we start off Friday night with Australia v France. There's no um, Parramatta Eels players in either lineup. Um, I, I think Australia should win this one easily. And yeah, no brainer. If France want to, if France want to progress, they need to upset either 
England or Australia. And I can't see him knocking off the Aussies. That would be one of the all-time World Cup upsets. But um, hopefully they can at least offer a little bit of competition for their sakes. Yeah, unfortunately, um, France seemed to play a very expansive sort of game, whereas um, there was a fair bit of uh, wrestle that was introduced in the second half of the Australia v England game. Um, and I think that comes from having one uh, referee. So I, I noticed that the, the 10 metres was down to about a 6 metre by the end of the, the game, which I guess is one drawback mm-hmm. for having a one referee policy. Um but yeah, I guess we'll see. How, how, I think it'll come down to who. It'll come down to how the rucks policed. I actually didn't mind the way the French were playing in that, that first game of theirs. Like that was that, that that was some exciting footy to watch. Like you know, first second tackle going end to end, just. You know, trying to they're just trying to find trying to find any gaps or weaknesses and whatnot. And you know, th- I mean, th- they're led by who I, I mean, I think is probably in, in terms of the top halves in the world. He, he'd, he'd be top five like the, from St Helens, Theo Fages. I mean, he's playing like he's short. He's like five six playing headgear. But he he was a really really good player. Oh, he still is. But you know, just just in that game for them, like he he was calling the shots for France, and you know. For the most part, their attack was pretty fluid. I mean, not not there'll be enough to beat the Aussies, but it's certainly encouraging that they've got a guy like that that can just lead the side around the park and and do it pretty easily. Australia's run through some not not the big players, but um they've run through some changes in light of the um the easier competition or expected easier competition. Um, you got Tommy T on the wing, Josh Mansour's there, uh, James Maloney and uh, Michael Moore your half pairing. Uh, Jordan McLean, Regan Campbell-Gill get the start, so you got a different prop rotation. Graham and um, Frizzell, second Yeah, round. Graham Frizzell. Josh Back McGuire comes into the starting team following the um, pectoral injury to Jake Dubovic. Yeah, um, he's played there, you know, for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's going to be fine there. Munster um, slips back to the bench utility role, which he'll star in no matter what. Uh, is this Felice Cafusi's maiden game? That's right. This will be yes, his it is. Yeah. So he, he had an outstanding year, and whether you think he's or not, he um, deserved his pick in the Australian team, I think. I'd be very surprised if the French score a try, to be honest. Like, with all those new ch- changes to the Australian squad, this will be their first time playing, and this will be the only chance they'll get game time. So they'll probably play their best game for the newcomers, you know. So I'll be yeah. very surprised. Oh, but, you, you, but you know what, though? Some of, this, some of these Aussie players being picked, like a lot of – I mean, not a lot of them. Some of them, like, you know, they're sort of – they're coming off pretty, pretty average sort of seasons or they're sort of – a bit overhyped and and sort of you know overvalued by by their by fans of their clubs and everything. Like I mean, Josh Mansour is I mean fantastic player. Don't get me wrong, but he, compared to what he was before his ACL, he was like it was like a shadow of the same. He wasn't even close to being the same the same guy that he was. And you know, like if, if France have enough talent, if they sort of exploit some of these some of these weaknesses and sort of you know, I mean, not again, not that they're going to win, but. I think it can make for quite an interesting sort of interesting sort of game just to you know, liven things up a bit. Blueprint to um, scoring tries on the Kangaroos might be to bomb it to Mansoor all night because I think we've seen at the back end of that year he cannot jump. <laughs> yeah. um, right on to the next game, New Zealand v Scotland. So there's a completely different back line for New Zealand. Um, Brad Takarangi keeps his spot in the centres, but Dean Fare and Jason Nightingale are on one wing, where Peter Hiku comes in. Obviously, um, Beal is, is gone for the rest of the tournament and probably for a fair portion of next season. Um, but uh, my pick, again, is New Zealand. 
yeah, that, that's the obvious oh. thing, isn't it? I hope, I hope the Scots can acquit themselves well, building off the um, the big win over the Italians. They drew yeah. with New Zealand in the Four Nations, but they they've got a couple of injuries. Nations, yeah. you can't you can't see any other result than New Zealand win, really. But um, well, like I said, hopefully the Scots can build nicely because um, they're they're going to go through based on the free team progression because they won over Italy. So they just want to try and um, keep their uh, momentum going through the Australia and um, Australia, the New Zealand and um, Samoan games, and then um, get into the sudden death rounds with a bit of confidence. So any sort of close result is a good result for the Scots. Sorry, so Scotland, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga are in that pool. So if Scotland oh, lose, they've, they've got to beat uh, Samoa. Um, that might decide the pool because coming up later that evening is the match of the round at 5.30pm, Tonga v Samoa. Yeah. Um, Jennings keeps his spot. Manumau keeps his spot. Penny Terapo again off the bench. Um, and then for Samoa... Uh, they've kept the same halves pairing, which is uh, I don't know why they're not in, not putting in Farmer, Manu Brown, who's um, going to be the bench utility. Yeah, that, um, but Frankie P will stay in there. Yeah, surely, I, I surely, surely, Robert, surely Roberts and Farmer Brown is a much better combination because Roberts was actually you know okay. He had a good game, game, but he had no uh, no help. Yeah, he was playing a solo hand, and that's always going to catch up for you, isn't it? Um, so Tongan's made a couple of changes to the back line, which I think are largely for the better. Um, Solomon Akata. And Conrad Harrell is kind of like a, a like for like, but I think David Fisitua is a much better player as compared to uh, Big Manu. They they should win the Tongans, but it'll be hopefully it'll be a high tempo, you know, sort of controlled aggression game because I know the crowds you mentioned we mentioned before are going to be fired up. Hopefully the the players can keep the aggro channeled into just their footy. And later that evening at eight pm, England and Lebanon. Lomax keeps his job. I'm not sure how. Um, but he'll still be there. Um, in Lebanon, um, our poor fullback, Anthony Layoun, uh, misses out. <laughs> um, but Timmy Manor retains his spot. Of course, Mitchell Moses will play six again. Upset of the tournament coming. Upset of the tournament coming. <laughs> oh, that's a hot take. Um, once again, it's about, as with the Scottish, isn't it? It's about keeping that confidence ticking over. They've um, That early win they got in the first round means they're probably going to be close to booking their ticket to the elimination stage. So you just want to try and keep things ticking over, keep the confidence high and keep on those combinations. And Robbie and Mitchell and um, their, their core forwards like Manor, Leisha, Twal can keep them, um, keep them going. They'll be all right. Yeah, somebody I didn't touch on, Leisha, gee, he's had a, a fantastic end to the season. Once the, the chains come off, he, he's shown to be quite a good hooker. Yeah, well, he's paying paying back on that promise, didn't he? He showed as a Cronulla junior, um, was the most storied junior hooker I can recall. He he was, you know, first picked and captain of pretty much every junior rep team for New South Wales and Australia and got in the first grade, looked okay at the Sharks, got poached in a high-profile signing for the Dogs and he just went there and became a tackle machine. And like you said, the chains came off late in the season this year. And he started scoring tries, setting up tries, and getting the dogs rolling forwards. And he's carried that form into the World Cup. A bloke will make his debut, a prop, Alex Wormsley. I know nothing about him, but I just know around the internet that uh, a lot of clubs are after him, and this will be their first look. Do you guys rate him? Uh, he's, he's the giant, isn't he? The, the... Yeah, 115 kilogram. He's, he's a very interesting player. He, he's, a, he's a lump of, like a huge lump of a lad. But a big criticism from St. Helens fans is he doesn't use his size as well as he should. Looks like Tarzan. 
Probably he's been looking. Probably not to that extent, but he has been. I mean, St. Helens had the okay not, season not, in Super League. Yeah. But, you know, he, he was, at times, he was labelled a bit of a powder puff. So, I mean, yeah. I, I guess, well, he, oh, he's, he's a much better player than Mossop. I mean, don't, 100%. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, between between the two, like, wow. Like, you know, he, you know he's, he's a work in progress, but he's not. You're, like you're talking about Parramatta Eels legend Lee Mossop there. Who came, to the, who came to the NRL, stated that the English Super League was way more physical than proceeded to get hurt. Okay, come on, boys. Let's move right along. We can't get stuck on to, to, to old wounds. Now, um, playing at 5 p.m., which is before the other the other matches, is Italy v. USA, but it's going to be on delay. So, again, no spoilers. Um, people that's, do want to watch these that's without the last, That's crap. the last of the delay games, isn't it, Hamish? Yeah. Oh, I think two, so. Two delay games. Yeah. These so, delay um, games, I tell you. In, in Italy, we've got Daniel Alvaro and Nathan Brown taking part again. So it's a pretty, pretty similar team last week. Um, in the USA, um, you know, it's a pretty similar team as well. It might be um, a sneaky good game, um, depending on which Italy comes out. Yeah. yeah oh, because I mean, expectations are so low. If, if, I tell you, if Italy don't win this game, there's something wrong with them. I'm sorry. Credit to, credit to the US. They've got heart. They've got ticker. But, you know, they've just... Play, when you've got a team that's got basically 13 local players, as we said before, yeah, compared to an Italian side that has, what, like 90% of the team has played first grade before, if, if Italy don't win, they may as well just pack up and leave right now. Just looking at the um, USA team list, we have a, a Sam Moa playing for Tonga and a Tui Samoa playing for the USA, but there's no Samoa playing for Samoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, past the trivia. We're on to PNG versus Ireland on Sunday. Honestly, before you start, it's going to be pretty awkward with the Italy game that Wakeman and Teddy on the same time. Yeah. Like. Oh, they After kissed the, and made up, don't worry. Oh, kiss and made up. Yeah, yeah, we, you know. Didn't read the chat story. They even got, they interviewed the woman at the centre of it and got her view, and, and then she said, oh, you know, oh, they're both fine with each other now. It's like... <laughs> I don't care what you have to say. Just focus on the rugby league World Cup. <laughs> Let's get back to the footy. So, <laughs> sorry, this, this is Saturday, but it should say Sunday. PNG and Ireland. Um, now, that back line of PNG, um, they could this, – this might be another fiery match given how well Ireland played last yeah, week. Um, again, there's no eels, no eels in either of these teams, so – it's just as well, given how physical this game's going to be, isn't it? Um, PNG going with the uh, the crazy plan of having four hookers in their team. Um, they had four on the, 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 the pitch at the same time last week, um, but it well, seemed to work. work <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess technically it's three now because Paul Aiton has sort of become a bit of a lock. Yes. That's why he was obviously named a lock. Once a hooker, boys. But, no, look, I tell you, this game, I mean, as good as the – the France and what's the game in, in in round one was this? I think this game could be based on what the, the game guys, around. Could be game of the tournament. I think. I mean, these two teams. That's, a, that's were, a, that is a hot take. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot on the line here, isn't there? Like, oh yeah, well, that's the thing. Is you know, a lot, a lot on the line. Both teams played pretty damn um, well and, and this, won this convincingly. Is, so this this would be great, 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 great game to watch. I think so. Oh yeah, it's a fast and physical. Might be a little bit scrappy at time. We're going to get our Sunday afternoon footy, and we know how everybody loves Sunday afternoon footy. Um, now to Sunday evening footy, Fiji and Wales. Um, so I was a bit let down that um, Fanga didn't get a run in the second row. He's in the row. extended squad now, but um, 
Yeah, he's but moving closer to a game. The army name there, there. Um, more outside oh, back oh. as opposed to a second. Yeah. Oh, really, I'm in the back row. <laughs> Unless he's had KFC in the off season, there's no way he's going to last in the back row. This this should be a pretty comprehensive victory. Oh, you yeah, have, yeah. You expect Jared so. to break that that World Cup record for try scored to take sole ownership of the, of that particular record, because um, Wales struggled pretty mightily in their opening game, and you know the Fijians put away the Americans pretty heavily, so this should be a, a walk in the park, really. I I tell you what, they might want, they might want to keep tabs on Suliasu Vumivalu. He's played, including NRL and the World Cup, he's played. 50 games and scores 48 tries. So he's he got could, a pretty neat strike rate. That's, I mean, he, he, he could go. No semi red red though. The <laughs> thing with the thing with Sully is that when he scores tries, he tends to score them in clumps, doesn't he? I think. Well, that's the thing. My NRL trivia. Although yeah, that's yeah, I mean that's which I mean I guess makes our feet that much more remarkable. Sort of just you know, the nature in which he scores his tries and and whatnot. So I mean, if he scores once, it's he, still he pretty much bet he's going to score again. It still amazes me that the um, Fijian halfback is a bloke that plays Ron Massey Cup. Good old Henry Raul Louis. Like you think they'd have someone, but um, at least Jared Jared Hainan, um, Apisal Corosal are two pretty strong pieces in the spine, and um, Kevin Nagama or Nagama, I'm not sure. Is wow, is, 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 it, is a night is like not not to be insensitive because it's been a big deal of uh, correctly pronouncing Polynesians' names, but is it Nagama or is it Nagama? Well, I think it's Nagama. It's Nagama because I think. Yeah. Like even even years, I mean, like if, if, even before Kevin started playing, when Wes was playing, with Wes, yeah, you know, he, he he he. I think it's the same with the Matiasia brothers. They he had to come out and say, "No, this is how you say it." Mm. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but um, that, like, that's a pretty. It's just, I heard one game, I was like, was like that's a, I don't even know what. I was just like, what is this? Yeah. But um, yeah, Fiji should should take the win here, and that'll uh, to go through to the next stage. Okay, well, wrapping it all up, um, at the end of round one in Group A, we have Australia and Lebanon at the top. Um, unless our hot takes pick up, uh, you'd expect that to be Australia and England at the end of this round. Uh, in Group B, we've got Tonga and New Zealand at the top, Samoa and Scotland winless. Yeah. Um, so somebody might come to the top or Tonga and New Zealand will keep their same position if Tonga beats Samoa, like we suggest, and New Zealand beats Scotland. Um, and that'll put uh, well, that'll put it down to a tie-break between Samoa and Scotland as to see who goes through. Yeah. Um, in Group C, you've got PNG, Ireland and Wales. PNG and Ireland are both on one win, so both teams need to win this weekend to make sure... They're in with a chance to book a final spot um, in Group C because, as we know, only the top team in Group C and D goes through. And then Fiji sitting pretty uh, with one win at the top of Group D with Italy and USA are winless. Um, so I I can't see those rankings changing too much other yeah, than England coming up in Group A. Yeah. The, um, the most important game will be the... Um the Ireland uh, Papua New Guinea game, right? So I think that's correct. That, Usually, that it, it looks like the winner of those that will um, probably take Group C. Yeah, so I mean, the, hopefully there'll be a couple of fun games between um, uh, Samoa and Tonga and uh, the aforementioned Papua New Guinea and uh, Ireland, as, as well as the um, sort of the low tier uh, Italy uh, USA match. But a lot of results seem like they'll sort themselves out this week. I want to, I want to throw a stat out there for Ricky. 
The winners this week, round one, scored 279 points, losers 64. That was one side of that round. Yeah. Yeah, it seems as though those sort of second-tier nations have got a lot better, especially those Pacific Island nations. So whilst it seems like a blowout, I think it's a good thing in that some of the so-called minnow teams have gotten so much better that they're able to lay scores. I agree. It's it's always an issue when you have a World Cup, like any World Cup. You look at the the soccer or football World Cup, depending on how you want to call it, and there's huge blowouts there. It's just when you um, when you bring a lot of the like you say the second tier nations in, there's going to be some lopsided scores. But I think we've seen on the field that there's been some progression. You know, if you look at Papua New Guinea, you look at Ireland, yeah, driving yeah, Lebanon. You never see PNG score fifty points, to be honest. Or Fiji. That, that's right. Like the, the, in the, the last World Cup, PNG only scored. I think it was twenty two points in all yeah, their three games. Right. So, there you go, right. in one game. so you're, you're seeing you're seeing genuine grow, growth across the the global scale for rugby league, which is fantastic. Well, PNG had I think I saw points. somewhere that Ireland. Um, I, I think they scored more points in the first twenty minutes this World Cup than their last World Cup. That was PNG. That was PNG. Oh, PNG. I knew it was one team. I knew it was one team. Yeah, they were 26 nil at halftime. And there was more points than this had scored in the entire 2013 tournament. But that's an interesting interesting point because I think that's why we haven't seen as many World Cups as people would like. Like, if you go through the history since the World Cup started in 1954 or whatever, there were gaps of, like, there was a gap of about 10 years at one point because it was basically. Australia and England were just destroying everybody. So yeah. they stopped it. Yeah. And then even, that, that's why there was no World Cup in, in 2004 either, because that was, you know, 2000 when Australia beat Russia like 112 to 4 or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, so they just was like, they, they just thought, well, none of these teams are going to do anything. It's Australia, England, and New Zealand. What's the point of having a World Cup? Yeah. And then so. You're seeing, and now that the, they've relaxed the representative rules. As far as going out to represent a tier two nation yeah, and not exactly, throwing exactly. away your New South Wales, Queensland, uh, or even Australia eligibility, it's it's helping the game. I think you're getting to see yeah. some of those homegrown guys get to mix with proper NRL player or NRL caliber players, and it's going to help them in the long run. Okay, I've got one more stat to round us out, taking on to Ricky's turf. So. Uh, Eels players played in five matches on the weekend. They made up 7% of all players in those matches, but they accounted for 17% of the tries scored. So it looks like our Eels players are having the run of it in scoring tries, and let's hope it continues. 17%, boys. All right, boys. Well, I think that brings us to the end. Um, Does anybody have anything to plug? Uh, I mean, we'll go back to the old TCT plot. Going to start getting interested as his magic over the off season or pre season. Um, the CumberlandFro.com and uh, Twitter.com forward slash Eos TCT. You can catch all the shenanigans of myself, Craig, uh, Craig 60s, Mitch, and um, Chris, and all the stuff we do, which is a little bit quiet at the moment. But like I said, 60s will be winding up his, um, his pre season training blogs. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how the squad's are. And Ricky? I'll follow NRL News on Twitter, you know, the draw, all the news, all the scores, all that jazz, so give it a follow. All right, and you can now follow us, um, hey. State of the League podcast yeah. on Twitter, um, setting up a bit of everything else. That'll probably take a little while, um, but for now, I'll pop this um, up on SoundCloud, and um, happy listening. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Catch you soon. Song and kicking up the hill. If you want to see a football play, then come and see the hill.
Mighty